Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. By way of very quick review, uh, a three-hour review in just three or four minutes, we have found out that it is the Father's heart to bless His children. We see that the first thing he did when he created Adam and Eve was he blessed them. Even after they had sinned, he got into a holy covenant with Abraham. And he said, the heart of this covenant is I will bless you and make you great. And I will bless those who bless you. The Bible tells us through the whole story of the Bible that the blessing of Abraham has been fulfilled through Jesus to us as believers we find out in Proverbs 10, it's the blessing of the Lord that maketh one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. We find in 3 John 2 that it is, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God's desire is for us to walk in the covenant blessing of Abraham as sons and daughters. And it's our job to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to find out what that means. What happens is that as we walk out our life journey, even knowing revelation, we sometimes forget and get mixed up on something very critical in our financial well-being. And that is we mix up our provider from our warehouses. Come up here just a minute, Stephen. Uh, Daniel, help me out a little bit, Tom. Uh, I, I would like... Uh, Let's see. I'm going I'm to come here. Come here, Jake. Uh, okay. Now, Daniel, you're going to be, you're going to represent uh, God, the Father, he, as providers. Everybody know that every good and perfect gift is from above. Yes or no? Okay. So, Daniel represents the throne of a loving father. Okay. And uh, Jake, you stand over there, going back a little bit more. You are going to, no, come, come here, Tom. You come over here. I got a purpose for Jake being over here. Right, come, come over here, Tom. Tom is trusting God as his provider for him to have the resources that he needs uh, in the earth. Come over here, Stephen. Okay, now I would like for you to stand right here for just a minute, Jake. This won't be long. I know men are not comfortable face to face, but uh, uh, here's, here's what I want you to understand. Here's our provider, God our Father, yes, and God provides through human vehicles. These, Stephen and Jake, represent warehouses, customers, clients, employers, uh, for some of you, I've never known any of this, but some of you, uh, trust funds, uh, whatever that is, anything that is a source of revenue, the Father, does everybody understand that the Father distributes to his sons and daughters through warehouses? Yes or no? So the manufacturer stores what he owns and what he wants to get to the recipient, he, he stores them in warehouses. Everybody get that? 
Here's the problem with most of us. We forget the difference between the warehouses and the provider. And we begin to think that it's our customers, our clients, our, our patients, <coughs> our brokers. We tend to think that they are the source of our well-being. And what happens, Stephen, you can go back to your seat. What happens when one of those customers or clients, especially a good one, leaves the scene? That is not pretty, is it? And especially if we're trusting them, if we get mixed up between the provider and the warehouse, when a warehouse leaves, and can I tell you something? Warehouses are going to leave. Whether they're customers or clients or patients or ministry partners or whatever, you're not going to keep all your warehouses all the time. But what if, and don't be offended by this, Jake, what if a big warehouse leaves? Our tendency is to say, oh, woe is me. What am I going to, I'm sunk. I'm sunk. And we tend to cry out for God to do something. We're, we're struggling out here. And what happens is fear comes in. Sometimes anger, disappointment, fear creeps in. All because we have lost sight of who our provider really is. Come back up here again. Come here, precious wife, Aaron. Come here. Buddy, Becky, y'all come here just a minute. See, what we tend to forget, come up here if you will, that God can either bring back or replace those warehouses by sundown. He's the provider. Thank you all. Thank you, Tom. I wanted to give you a graphic description because you know what? All of us are guilty of thinking that the source of our well-being is who hires us or who does business with us or who gives to us. And do you know what? Listen to me now. Listen, this is going to make you a little nervous, I hope. I hope this makes you a little nervous. If you are, without knowing it, dependent on the warehouse rather than the provider, the provider will eventually let the warehouses leave for you to see the fallacy of your dependence, and that is no fun. Amen. So every good and perfect gift is from above. Why don't we celebrate every day that whether customers come or go, whether patients come or go, whether investments rise or fall, that it is our provider and he is on record as saying that the, he is our shepherd we shall not want. That the promises of God are yes and amen. That he has not changed. Now, through our own unbelief and our own disobedience, we can take ourselves out of position from receiving from the Father. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. Be quick to repent when you begin to 
think that your security is your employer or your customer or your client or your patient. Nobody belongs the praise and the glory of being your provider but your heavenly Father. Now, today I'm so excited to tell you about the principle of sowing financial seed into the kingdom of God. It is the most sure, mighty investment with a sure return to it. Understand this, that in Scripture there are four, four things that are termed seed. Number one, there's natural seed. The Bible says in, in Genesis 2 that God himself planted a garden. Did you know that? God sowed seed in the ground. He planted a garden. Genesis 8.22 says, As long as the earth shall last, seed time and harvest shall never pass away. Seed time and harvest time are spiritual law. And they're not going away as long as the earth shall last. Some, some seed is natural. Some seed that the Bible talks about seed is human. And that is the fertilization of an egg with sperm. That, that is called the seed of life. In other words, sometimes you hear terms like this. Isaac was the seed of Abraham. It was a descendant, a human descendant. So sometimes seed is referred to as hum, human descendants. Sometimes the word seed is used to describe the word of God. That word planted in the human heart regenerates and brings forth new life, brings forth growth, brings forth that which it is sown. Always remember this, seed always bears after its own kind. You don't plant watermelon and get cotton. It always bears after its own kind, seed time and harvest. Also understand that the fourth type, the way that God speaks through his word about seed is in the area of financial giving. That is of the investment of resources. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we are today. Understand this, that as you're turning there to 2 Corinthians 9, that there is in this law of sowing and reaping, there are three things you need to always remember. You always reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. You, you reap what you sow. But also remember, one of the laws of the harvest is you always reap later than you sow. There is the planting of seed there is the process of that seed receiving nutrients and sunshine and, and, and going through the germination process until finally it breaks forth a taproot and then eventually a shoot. But understand that, that, that harvest is later than you sow. You can't get that in reverse. You see what happens with many of us is we don't understand spiritual law and we get into a tight and we ask God to do something mightily in our finances. What we're asking for sometimes is a miracle. We're not really asking for financial process to have the anointing of God on it. What do you mean by that? Well, it'd take a miracle to receive a harvest without a seed. Everybody understand that? So you, you reap what you sow, you reap later than you sow, and listen to this, you reap more than you sow. 
Oh, the power of life that is in that seed. There is life in that seed. When you plant a watermelon seed, you get a watermelon vine that is capable of developing more and more and more fruit and seed. So you always reap what later and more than you sow. Those are, those are laws that govern, govern seed time and harvest time. Now, Paul uses the term seed when he talks to the Corinthians and therefore to us through the Holy Spirit about sowing financial seed. The scenario here, he was talking about investing in a kingdom need for the purpose of a designated need that, had, that many of the believers were truly suffering and had a big need. And he asked the Corinthians to get involved through the sowing of seed. And in verse 6 he says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also what? Reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap what? Bountifully. So, watch this, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Where's your heart? In the spiritual man, the heart is where the Holy Spirit resides, given to you by the grace of God when you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. So let him give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, not because somebody is trying to make you feel guilty, not because you don't want to do it, but you got talked into it anyway, but give it with a cheerful heart because God loves it when you give with a cheerful heart. You can get God excited in your giving by giving with a joyful heart. I know some people in this church here that they get the greatest joy of their life out of giving. I mean, it just takes them to a new level. God wants all of us to get to that place where we give with a joyful heart. Now, I want you to see something here in verse 7. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I told you in the beginning of this series that I grew up under seeing that tithe, seeing tithe as the obligation rather than the opportunity. How you view it has an awful lot to do with whether or not you give cheerfully. God has given us revelation, and I, I tell you, one of the most exciting things that we can do is, and I've told you this in the last three sessions, that the Bible says that he, Jesus receives tithes as our high priest right now in heaven. He's paying attention. He is receiving tithes. One of the greatest things, I did it again this week. When Dean and I give our tithe, I take that check, I put it between my hands, and I say, and I, and I can picture the Lord Jesus in heaven as a high priest. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You are the author and provider of all that we are and have. Thank you as our high priest that you see this. This is your tithe. This is the tenth portion that you say the first, of the, first the top, off of everything that we have. And we release this to you, Jesus, and we worship you with it. Do you know that according to this right here, God loves a cheer. He loves that. 
Some of y'all turning me off. You better listen. This is going to change your life. God loves that. He loves it. We don't ever pass an offering plate. We don't draw, we don't take up and go on. You better listen to the word of God though now. I don't talk to you like this very often. Are you hearing me? Listen to this. Your future is at stake. Your well-being is at stake. God is giving you such an opportunity that if you don't begin to get revelation of the opportunity he's given you, you will never walk in financial security. And can I tell you something? Financial security has nothing to do with how many assets you've got accumulated somewhere. It has to do with who your partner is. There's a lot of people with all kind of financial assets and they have a poverty mentality. They can never get enough. They can never, they gotta get just a little bit more. You know why? Because deep down in their heart of hearts, they are afraid they're gonna run out. They believe somehow that their financial well-being is what they can accumulate instead of what they can distribute in the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? A poverty mentality has nothing to do with whether or not you're wealthy or whether or not you're poor. A poverty mentality is that mindset to where you believe that your financial well-being is on what you can accumulate rather than in the partnership of who your, who your supplier is. God, save us from a poverty mentality. Just got to hold on to everything. Jesus. God loves, there is intentional, desired sowing that gives the Lord, and it makes him joyful, but it also meets the needs that are in the kingdom of God. You know, there's some other kind of sowing that the Bible talks about, and it talks about sowing in a time of adversity. You ever read Genesis 26? I don't have time to go into great detail. Abraham's son, Isaac, was in a land that was controlled by the Philistines, arch enemies of God and his people. And the Bible says that there was a famine in the land. How many of you have, like Dina and I, have been through seasons in your life where there was a financial famine? Want enough to eat? <laughs> financial famine. The Bible says that there was a, an intense famine in the land. But you know, Isaac had learned from his father who had gotten into a holy covenant with God and the blessing of God, and he had begun to be obedient uh, to, and tithed to Melchizedek. And what God did was mighty in his blessing. And uh, we find in Genesis chapter 26, the Bible says this, that, Ab that Isaac sowed in the time of famine. In the time of famine... Isaac went out and sowed. Can you imagine what people thought about Isaac sowing in a time of famine? 
this guy's crazy. You can't do that. Can I tell you something? The enemy will always tell you you can't afford to give. 26.1 says there was a famine in the land because the, the first famine was in the days of Abraham and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and he said, do not go down to Egypt. You know what he's saying? Don't go over there and try to get dependent on somebody else to be your blessing. Mm-mm-mm. Don't run over there and try to get somebody to meet your need. You live in this land where I have put you, dwell in this land, and I will bless you if you will stay put. I will give you all these lands, and I will perform that which I swore to my man Abraham, your father, and I'll multiply your descendants. Verse 12 says, then Isaac sowed in that land where, it didn't, where, it was, where there was famine, where there was a dust bowl. Isaac sowed in that land out of obedience to the Lord and watch. And in the same year, he received a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Can I tell you something? Some of the greatest opportunities you have is when you sow precious seed in when you're going through a famine. Your business is in a famine. Your income's in a famine. Your family's in a famine. God is moved when we continue to sow seed when it doesn't look like it's the right thing to do. When it looks like there's lack. Anybody can give when there's a surplus of goods coming in all the time. Do you know that sometimes the heart of God is moved when you sow seed in the time of famine. And if he can give Isaac a hundredfold return, he can do the same for you. Now I'll talk a little frank here to you. Last year... The church and the ministry together received almost, I'm not even going to tell you a figure, it was a substantial amount of money less than the year before. And when the figures were reviewed, and I am accountable to a group of businessmen who see where every penny is spent. It came out that we set a record for our giving last year. Almost 35% of everything that came in through the church and Steve Franklin Ministries went out, reinvested in other ministry needs, opportunities. 35% off the top. That's a pretty big chunk, isn't it? Do you know what was happening? Was it always easy, Pastor? <laughs> right. When you're getting less and you're giving more. Some of y'all getting nervous, but I'm going to just tell you the truth here now. Because you know you run businesses. Every, 
everybody at some point is going to be tested all along the way. But can I tell you, when you sow in the time of famine, you have an opportunity to reap down the road a harvest like you had never seen before. And God is turning that around. We've already seen evidence that he's turning around. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When things get tight, don't give in to the pressures of the world and the devil into your own mind. You stick with what God has told you to do. There's blessing. Now, the Bible also says that we are to, that the Lord rewards us not on the basis of what we don't have, but on the basis of what we do have and what we give. So I say to you that sometimes the most precious thing you can do when you're going through a time of famine is to want to give, even though you don't have the ability to. God honors the want to. That is a precious thing. Honors the want to. So sometimes we sow in a seed of adversity and that is a wonderful opportunity for God's blessing. Sometimes we sow out of revelation, that is. You know the widow, uh, Jesus and the disciples were observing people coming into the temple and you had these very wealthy people coming in and they were throwing in a little bit of spare money. They were throwing in a this and that and, and there were people in the temple watching all this because they had set it up to be a grandstand. And uh, they were saying, oh, wow, did you see that? And even some of the disciples were going, man, what a gift that was. Wow, wow. And a little widow woman came walking up to the front, and she dropped in a couple of coins and walked off. And Jesus said, let me tell you guys something. She just gave more than the rest of them put together. And they said, what, what do you mean by that? He said, oh, they were just giving what they could spare, but she gave all she had to live on. She has given more than any of them. Do you understand that the size of the gift is not on the surface it's amount? It has, it's a, it, it has to do with the proportion of what you have. She gave under revelation and direction of the Lord. There's a wonderful promise in Matthew and Mark about those who give sacrificially under the direction of the Lord that there will be a hundredfold return attached to that when they have given up all that they have for the sake of the kingdom. Can I ask you to get something out of your vocabulary? Take, I gave it away out of your vocabulary. If you give into the kingdom of God, you didn't give anything away. You invested in something sure and steadfast. Amen. But I also want to tell you this. Uh, there has been some who have made the mistake of going without knowing it from revelation into presumption. 
What do you mean by that? Just because you see something that somebody else did, you shouldn't assume that that's what you ought to do. Let me say that again. Just because you see what somebody else did doesn't mean that you automatically ought to do that. There have been those who have sold everything they had and gave it for a cause only to find out that year after year after year after that, they were in a mess because they saw it. It sounded like a great idea. They were blessed and moved by it, but they weren't really directed by the Spirit of God to do that. Can I tell you something? Just because it's a good idea doesn't mean God told you to do it. Every good idea doesn't have the anointing of God on it. So always make certain that you listen to the instruction of the Lord. And if the Lord tells you something that highly moves you and is going to greatly affect you and your family, you know what you ought to do? You ought to seek the Lord for confirmation of that, and you ought to go to two or three wise, mature counselors and see how that sounds to them. People who are experienced at hearing the voice of the Lord. It won't hurt you to have something judged. It'll help you. Bring it into the light. So seed gets sown into the needs of the kingdom as well as in this context. We are to give with joy and intent. But I want you to see something here very powerful in verse 8. When we, when we sow that seed under the direction of the Lord, God is able to make all grace. What is that word, charis, Greek? Favor. God is able to make all favor and all of His ability abound towards you. That you, how often? That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I mean, would to God that we could all just have such a deep, deep desire and vision of what we could do for the kingdom of God if we were blessed with abundance. Oh my. So many things that we could do for the kingdom of God if we had an abundance. Now watch. God is able to make all His favor and ability abound towards you. What does that word mean? It means more than enough. Abound uh, means excess. It means overflow. It means to be greater than sufficiency. So that you having all sufficiency. How many of you know that sufficiency gets you to zero? Abundance is what puts you on the plus side. But notice the purpose of that abundance. That you may do every good work that the Father tells you to do. And, and don't religiousize this and, and, and make this way out there somewhere where it doesn't make any practical sense. Every good work. Would it be a good work to take care of your family? Would that be a good work? Would it be a good work to make certain that you are able to the, uh, to the extent that you're given under the direction of God, recognizing He's the author? Would it be a good thing to have some resources for crises and, and 
bumps in the road, wouldn't that be a good work? Wouldn't it? So there's all kinds of things that come under good work. But you're not going to be able to do every good work unless there's not only sufficiency but an abundance. It is not only right, it is godly and scriptural for you to desire to, uh, to live above sufficiency. I've had Christians say to me, well, I'm never going to have anything and it wouldn't do for me to have any kind of wealth because I can't be trusted. Well, you probably won't have to worry about it. God's desire is for us to not only have sufficiency, but to have abundance for every good work He assigns us. But notice verse 9. He quotes Old Testament Scripture. He is dispersed abroad and given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Would to God that we would understand that in the operation of the kingdom of God, with the resources He gives us, that we receive abundance through dispersal not by selfish accumulation. Now, verse 10, may He, God, who supplies seed, that is, financial resources, may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Bread for food is just the basic necessities of life. May He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have for sowing is the best way to interpret that. The seed you have, may he supply seed for you to sow and multiply that seed and increase the fruits of your righteousness. That is, it is a righteous thing to be involved in God's economy. It is a righteous thing to sow into the kingdom of God while you are enriched in everything. That word in the Greek text is plutizo, and it means to be made wealthy, and in the context it means to be made wealthy for a purpose. It's not to buy islands in the Caribbean. It is to distribute where the, where the kingdom of God says, this is where I want this to go. Wouldn't that be fun? And notice what he says here. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, that is the ability to give wherever he tells you, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. When we meet needs through the abundance God supplies to us, it gives God thanksgiving and praise for the administration of this service, that is, the meeting of this need, not only supplies the needs of the saints, but is also abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Do you know what giving into a, a, to a need that you, is identified by the Holy Spirit to you does? It causes God to receive glory and honor and praise. It gives Him thanksgiving. What a blessing. While through the proof of this ministry, this ministry of giving, they glorify God for the obedient, your obedience to your confession. You are doing what you say. You're walking the walk. 
and you're obedient to your confession of the gospel of Christ. Do you know that part of obeying the gospel of Christ is sowing financial seed into the kingdom of God? Do you ever think about that being part of obedience to Jesus? And by their prayer, verse 14, by their prayer for you. Do you know that God causes those who you invest into the kingdom of God at his bequest, they start praying for you. And they pray for you and long for you. You know what that means? That means that as you obey the Lord and you sow seed where the Lord is telling you to do it, that the recipients of that are going to begin to pray and intercede and long for you to be supplied and multiplied with more seed for the purpose of blessing the kingdom of God. Can I tell you something? Prayer is more powerful than money. There is no comparison. Prayer is more powerful than money every time. And through the distribution of the resources God gives, the prompting to give God thanks and to pray for the giver, what a blessing. There is nothing that compares to the prayer of the saints for the givers of the seed. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. I want you to bow your heads with me, please. I know I've gone longer than I usually do, but this is a word that I had to get out there to you. The power of seed. Would you pray this with me? Mighty God, break the grip and the power of a poverty mentality off my mind. May I not interpret your desire for me based on my past circumstances. By the power of the revelation of the Word of God, help me to see what you want to do for me and through me in the area of my financials. You are my provider. You're my shepherd. You're my God. You're not a warehouse. You're the source. Forgive me for trusting warehouses. I repent of it. And I trust you. You are the author of every good and every perfect gift. And I give you praise for it. I desire that the scripture would be fulfilled in me as a sower. Give me revelation that you're able to cause all grace to abound to me so that I can have all sufficiency and even abundance for every good work that you prompt me to do in Jesus' name. Oh Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask you for the abundance of the revelation that I'm a recipient of your grace and I'm a carrier of that grace. Forgive me for focusing on what I don't have instead of what I do have. 
where I am, what I can do. Thank you that there's life in the seed. And I desire to be obedient to the sowing of seed in your kingdom. You may be like me in out of my brokenness many, 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 many years ago. I said to the Lord, I sure would like to get involved in that, but I don't have any money. I don't have anything to give. And the Holy Spirit said, that's where you're wrong. I said, sir, I need an explanation. He said, well, for starters, why don't you go in there into your closet? What do you see in there? Well, I see some clothes. I've started this ministry. I don't have a suit, but I've got some clothes. He said, well, if I were you, I'd start giving them, you know, because that took some money to buy those. So why don't you just start focusing on what you do have? Start giving that. One day I was living off $8 an hour working for a buddy to try to keep our lights on and not doing a very good job on it in the early stages of this ministry. The Lord said, you know, you pass that man out there on the street. He's poor. If I were you, I'd go over there and give him what you got in your pocket. So I said, yes, sir. Did it. Almost 30 years ago, I started on a journey back out of brokenness. And it started with little bitty things. You don't have to wait to start. You can start right where you are. Sowing seed. In the name of Jesus. If you hoard seed in a jar, it won't grow. You got to release it and trust the Lord. Do it, Lord. Open the windows of heaven. Give us revelation on the inside. Affirmation on the outside. Oh, bless these in the sound of my voice today, God. I believe that you desire to bless and prosper your children. God, forgive us for waiting on the manifestation before the revelation. May we just be instantly obedient. Oh, hallelujah. God, let the Spirit of the abundance out of the heart of God fall on these people. God, let the spirit of blessing rest on these, your sons and daughters, your heirs. Oh, take them to a new level, Lord. Take them to a new level and showing them your glory. Somebody just received a mighty, mighty, mighty blessing recently. I want to tell you something from the Lord. You haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. Lord, entrust us with more, God. Give us the spirit of faithfulness, recognizing that all that we are and have is a gift of your grace. 
Forgive us of our fear and unbelief. Oh, Jesus. Bless those who are struggling, Lord. Bless those. Give them encouragement today. Open up a door of opportunity, Father, that that is a surprise to them. Surprise them with opportunities, Lord. And may they look beyond the warehouse to the provider, but raise up mighty warehouses, Lord, that will be released to grant them the blessing of God, that they may be used mightily in the kingdom of God, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to partner with you. Let your blessings fall, Lord. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.